Hey y'all, this is Rich Collins of Renaissance Publishing. Welcome to Mardi Gras Beyond the Beads, a series of conversations with Mardi Gras historian Errol Laborde about the history and traditions of Carnival, the greatest free show on earth. That music, if you don't recognize it, it's somebody named Elvis Presley. Um, Elvis uh, made a, a film in New Orleans during his, his prime called King Creole, and that was the theme song from King Creole. He is the only person from the rock and roll era, or any era uh, for that matter, uh, who has a carnival crew built around him and his identity, uh, the Rolling Elvi, which is a, um, a very popular group. And with me are dignitaries for the Rolling Elvi. And everybody involved with the Elvi is a dignitary, but like these are like the top of the, the top echelon dignitaries. Dave Center, who's a, a founder of the organization, Cliff Gold, who's the king of communications, and Scott Galante, who is the captain. Now, the um, Elvine made their debut in 2003, and that was with the crew of Muse, is that correct? We, um, we formed in 2003, our first ride was in 2004. Okay, whose idea was this? This idea came up between mine and, me and a friend of mine named Macon Moore. It was just the two of us sitting around the table, having a beer or two, trying to figure out if and where we wanted to ride, and we decided we want to form our own organization. Now, was this done in anticipation of Muses? Because once Muses was important and that when it started, it allowed opportunities for new organizations to start. And was, was that part of it? Was that part of the, uh, the Muses flurry or? I would love to say it was that well thought out, but no, we just thought of a, a wacky idea and didn't really have any idea how, how or if it would work because these sorts of marching organizations back then were really few and far between, if, if any at all. And the only reason we decided to do Muses was, was sort of twofold. One, it's an all women's crew. And we thought that a bunch of Elvi strolling around in it would be fun. And two, my wife was a member of, of Muses at that time. All right. Um, what do you call, you can't call your group a marching organization. What do you call them? You call them like a rolling organization or what? Yeah, we're, we're I'd say we're rollers. Okay, this, is, this would be Scott right here, the, uh, the voice of authority as the captain. Yeah, we call ourselves a rolling crew. Um, some of us have to stroll when the scooters break down and, and you know, the Priscilla's that come with us uh, are on a float or sometimes they walk. Um, and we also have sort of a subset called the Jailhouse Rockers that do some dancing through parades. But primarily I'd say our crew rolls in parades. Okay. Well, Dave, as somebody that's been there from the beginning, is this what you envisioned it would be? Or are you disappointed or you wanted to uh, do a different direction or new ideas for the future? Uh, no, I'm not disappointed at all. I have been just wildly and pleasantly surprised by the evolution of the organization. We, we started out with a, a small and wacky idea that we weren't sure would have legs. And it has been the creativity and the freedom of the members who have 
brought up new ideas and taken us in new directions. And, you know, we largely just want to let, let people be creative and just have fun. So it, it has grown beyond my wildest dreams in terms of size and reach and, and all the various things that we do. Now, for anybody who might not have seen your group yet, and shame on those who haven't seen it, but if you're there on the parade route, what you see is a bunch of guys dressed like Elvis. Would be say, are you on the motor scooter? Would that be the proper term? It's, I mean, you're not on the big hog kind of thing. So, what, what, what are you all riding? I, I think calling it a motor scooter is generous. Uh, <laughs> the way I think of the easiest way to explain it is, it's sort of like a a glorified skateboard with a hairdryer motor hanging off the back. <laughs> now, is this uh, something that, that you all buy commercially or, or that you all make? Where do they come from? Yeah, we, we've got a supplier that we traditionally order them from. Um, to be honest with you, they're not the highest end of even what they are. Um, they started off as 49cc gas uh, scooters. And if you've seen us, you know that the engine and then the seat and the handlebars are pretty much all they are. Uh, other than you know some tires uh, in later years we've we've taken to getting some electric scooters as well but for the most part there's a single supplier that enables us to get them uh, annually to our members that roll up into being rollers so this is a local supplier no they're in um, I think initially it was in South Carolina is where we found somebody um, a couple of the scooter shops here didn't really have the ability to handle those kinds of orders uh, we've tried all kinds of places over the years, and this one became a reliable. Okay. And well, well, Cliff, as, a, as the key of communications, uh, would you describe a typical LVI costume in the parade? So we are in a wide variety of jumpsuits and other um, different uh, kind of Elvis genres. So you'll have some people that will dress in theme with some of the movies that have come out um, or some particular um, jumpsuit that they, you know, that Elvis wore uh, you know, at, at some particular concert or at the comeback special, uh, you know, dressed in leather. And so uh, it is usually the common theme of, um, of Elvis or one of, one of Elvis's costumes. But you see some people get creative as well and, and wear some different things. But, but if you look at the, uh, the span of Elvis's career, the kind of costumes you all wear, to me, are more like the Las Vegas days, like towards the, uh, toward the end of his career, like Latter-day Elvis. Yeah, usually the uh, for a, a new member, new roller, um, your first sort of outfit is is a jumpsuit that kind of fits that uh, that Vegas residency sort of sort of look. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the early Elvis album, fifty thousand people can't be wrong or something, or fifty million people, and he's wearing like like a gold costume. Uh, so I don't think y'all have any of that kind of thing, right? I think y'all go more to jumpsuit route with it. I feel like we've got a couple gold lame suits that are out there every now and again. So people, people will mix it up. Okay. Well, Scott, let me ask you one thing I'm confused about. It's like in your early days, uh, I thought this was really funny that uh, the women connected with you all uh, were known as the Priscilla's and the Priscilla's rode in the truck behind and they kind of looked a little bit like Priscilla with wigs on and all that. Is there some sort of a, a rebellion among the Priscilla's now to, to be Elvis? What's going on? I don't know. I'd say rebellion. Um, there's a couple of things going on. The first one is, um, you know, the Priscilla participation on the floats pretty limited when there was, you know, fewer than a hundred rolling LVI, it was easier to get the number of people that wanted to be Priscilla's onto the float. Now our numbers are exceeding 200. So it's hard to have enough spaces. 200 LVI, 200 Priscilla's. 
Um, but I think we've got about 178 alibi now. The numbers yeah. have grown pretty large. Um, someplace in there, don't pin me to it. The other thing is it's, you know, we moved into an era of tolerance and the board started having a discussion a few years ago about a tolerance policy and not really drawing things along gender identity or gender line. And they came through with a sweeping policy to, to say, you know, we're not going to make any limitations. We're not going to discriminate on either side of the fence. So yeah, the rollers have attracted a few women that want to roll now as Elvis. The only rule is if you're going to roll, you got to dress as the king. I saw one of them, um, the Elvi were in the crew of Boo Parade. And I saw a former uh, Priscilla who's an Elvi. And she looked great. I mean, she looked great. It took a moment to realize who that was, but, 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 but yeah, it's a good look. I think you're setting me up here to know that <laughs> my wife, Beth, who is going to be a roller this year, who has been a Priscilla for a number of years. Okay. And that's, it's really my fault. Several years ago, a friend of mine and I had to get our scooters back to my house. And so she offered to ride it. And when we got home, she said, oh, my God, now I see why y'all are rolling Elvi. That was fantastic. And the seed got planted. So does it work both ways? Any guys who want to be Priscilla's? Absolutely. An option is available. I don't know that we've had anybody decide to, to go that route yet, but I'm sure it'll happen at some point. Yeah. Now, when the, when the parade starts, um, I mean, you're out there on the street. I mean, you're not like people in the floats who are like kind of protected. I mean, you're, you're out there with the people. And the nature parades is that there's a lot of stops and along the way. So is there a lot of interaction with the crowd along the way? Absolutely. Hey, Lots of interaction. All right. Um, yeah, you, you have no idea. Okay. <laughs> Whenever we stop, the street gets crowded. Um, we've had to implement some rules like no given scooter rides because it's amazing how many people want to hop on the scooter with you. But for the most part, it's a lot of picture taking and throw handing. Um, it's actually really great when we stop. I think that's some of the most fun time to interact with the crowds because it is very rare where we're not rolling down St. Charles and hear our name chanted well ahead of ourselves. Now, now there is a time, uh, if I maybe kind of go a paw paw on this kind of thing, because it worries me that the parade will be stopped and you all are talking, everybody having a good time. And then the parade starts, and then there's this gap between you on the parade. So y'all gotta kind of rev it up on those scooters to catch up with the rest. That's true. That's true. We have we have in recent years adopted a group that's sort of like our rollers in waiting. We call them the Memphis Mafia, whereas uh -huh. the bands sometimes have the parents along the side of the crowd walking to uh -huh. keep the crowd back and keep things moving. We have our Memphis Mafia to kind of keep the crowd back and keep us moving. Okay. Don't you all, uh, Cliff, don't you all have some kind of uh, specialized throws that you all, I don't know, throw or hand out now? Yeah, we have a handful of signature throws that people are always on the lookout for. I think our poker chips are probably one of the biggest, most popular items. Um, on the our Facebook page, our public-facing uh, Facebook page, I get several messages over the course of a week um, asking, what is our poker chip going to look like? Can they get this vintage poker chip? Do we have anything like that in stock? But that's a really popular item. We have a couple different voodoo dolls that are handed out as well um, that some of our members go through painstaking, uh, the painstaking process of decorating um, and bedazzling and glittering up um, that are also really, really popular things that people are looking for. Um, you know, those are a couple that really kind of come to mind that people get really excited about. I think the silk scarves are also some of the more desirable ones that, that are uh, the silk scarves? popular. Yep. 
And like these are soup scarves that you all have commissioned and have made just for you? Yes, we do. That's really, that's very impressive. I mean, it's like, it, it, it's been an interesting evolution. The, the first year we rolled, we actually had a sort of an image of Elvis screen printed onto them. And then the second year, one of our members who was an attorney said, hey guys, um, Elvis is one of the most trademarked images in the world. I'm sure it's not a very big deal, but some lawyers from Memphis might reach out. So we might want to create some other image. And so one of our members designed what, what we now call our scooter man. That's been, that's been uh, on most of our throws for the better part of 16, 18 years. Uh, any throw, is that the most popular throw? Yeah, that's hard to say. Um, year to year, I would say it's the most consistently popular one. I think that people get pretty excited when they get one. I think some years we've the 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 some years we've designed some throws that really become popular very quickly. Um, I think that the poker chips are really sought after now. Um, but by and large, I would say the one that we most identify with is probably the scars. Do you have all the other trappings of a carnival organization? Like, do you have uh, do you have do you have debutantes? Uh, uh, do you all have a, a carnival ball? Do you have a cotillion? Uh, do you do the, all those kind of things? Every man in the crew is a king. So we, <laughs> while we do not have a, a, a debutante ball, uh, we do have monthly crew socials. We do charity events throughout the year. And uh, Scott and Cliff may be better uh, positioned at this point to suggest what all of those have been, but they've range to St. Baldrick's. I knew we'd do that just about every year. Back around the hurricane, we did the Bring Back the Music Foundation. We, we do a, an annual birthday and death day party where we raise funds for charities. And, and frankly, we're wide open to members who have specific causes that they'd like us to, to support. And we, we contemplate and participate in many events for them as well. Now, the St. Baldrick, this is where uh, people can go and get their hair cut and then their hair is used, what to sold to companies that make wigs and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I know some of your members that have, uh, uh, that have done that. We, we uh, typically go in costume, and I think we've been doing it just about every year for, I don't know, maybe 10 plus years. Okay. Now, what's the other inner group that y'all have? Okay. You got the Priscilla's, and then you got the main core, but isn't there like, like a little dance group or something? That's the Jailhouse Rockers. Um, okay. Tell me about that, Scott. I think about nine years ago or so, um, a group of the crew members decided they wanted to do some coordinated dancing. Um, there was, you know, there's been a rise of dancing crews that are not school groups and whatnot, you know, just sort of generally. Um, and, and a group of us got together the first year and said, let's pick some songs and do some choreography and do some dancing. And that group has really, you know, sort of started to take on its own identity. Uh, they do some, we do some throws that are signature to the JHRs as well which is our internal reference to them. And they do all kinds of events from charity events to appearing in uh, other kinds of parades, including uh, in Cleopatra is mainly a jailhouse rocker parade. We participate in Cleopatra and the JHRs do their thing for that parade. I've seen the choreography, it's amazing dancing. Um, uh, we come to the mind is what's the group in New York? Or the, um, I think you're thinking of the Rockettes. The Rockettes, I, yeah. I get them confused all the time. Yeah. The Rockettes and the Rockettes are, you know, same thing almost. Yeah. Have you all gotten to know, like a lot of groups started around the same time. 
uh, again, in these early days of muses, camel toe steppers and uh, those groups. Have y'all gotten to know those people? Is there any interaction between these groups? You know, I, for, for a period, I think they were, we were trying to, as some of the groups, some of the older groups, including the Stompers and whatnot, tried to do something together. All the groups in their, in their own right are big and take management, and I think it's kind of difficult to do. But there's a lot of friendship overlap and certainly couple overlap among these groups. And we sort of line up in the general same area and visit each other and, and parade lineups and whatnot. I'd say they're all really friendly, but, but it's going to take a pretty gargantuan effort to get us all to do something other than a parade together at some point. Yeah, we don't want that anyway. I think you all should maintain your, uh, your identity. Dave, have you been involved in uh, every parade since the group started? I have missed one, maybe two years. Yeah. Well, I was, I was trying to set you up for your, uh, is there any favorite memory that you have from your participation in a parade? Uh, yes, the, the, the early years were, it was much more shoestring and disorganized and we weren't sure what we were doing and we knew something was gonna get messed up but we weren't sure what. And I have a distinct memory of from those first few years of rolling around the corner and seeing people before they sort of knew who we were and there would be a look of kind of puzzlement on many faces but what i learned pretty quickly is elvis is pretty broad in his appeal old people young people men women all sorts of different minorities and ethnic backgrounds everybody gets a kick out of elvis and so we had more people singing songs back to us or doing elvis poses back to us and and that just made me smile but i, I think our our whole our whole effort in starting this was to bring people together, not take ourselves too seriously and have some fun. And I think it was pretty clear pretty quickly that that was gonna be successful. Cliff, what is it about Elvis that causes all this, all this excitement and kind of this cult feeling? I think Dave kind of scratched the surface is it's that broad appeal. Um, everyone knows, I mean, it doesn't matter who you talk to, everybody knows some Elvis music. Um, you know, it is, uh, you're, you're infinitely, you know, you put on a pompadour uh, and some of those glasses and a jumpsuit and you are in you're like you're recognizable people know who you're trying to uh, portray and who you're trying to um, sort of uh, you know who you're trying to characterize um, and I think that that's it is that it's the uh, it's this you know it's sort of this recognizable iconetry uh, of being dressed like Elvis and you know again everyone's sort of knowing you know not everyone knows Pearl Jam music or you know or uh, you know Red Hot Chili Peppers, or wow, well, people ever knows knows Rolling Stones, but Elvis for sure. Um, you know everybody knows a little bit of Elvis music, and I think that that adds to the broad appeal. And he, and he also had the movies too, which people got to know better. And the movies, I I, I think, were pretty successful um, as a rule. That they, they seem to, to to have done well, and so you probably developed a whole generation of, of followers just from there. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was something like 38 movies or something like that over 17 years or something like that. It was, it's a pretty impressive uh, IMDb, um, Internet Movie Database uh, reference. If you look it up, it's, it's pretty big. Yeah, we started off with the uh, music from King Creole, which, of course, is made in New Orleans. And during the time that, that movie was made, I mean, I almost closed down the French Quarter. I mean, people were just so excited knowing somewhere there on one of those streets, Elvis was there. And so that there was a uh, a real excitement about him. Uh, Scott, what parades uh, are y'all going to be in in this carnival? 
So this year, as I mentioned, the, the Jailhouse Rockers are going to be doing the um, Cleopatra Parade with some some of our. If the Rockers are a separate entity, so it's possible for someone to go and get the Rockers and not the rest. Is that correct? Well, I mean, we're not a separate entity. They're part of us. It's it's all one crew. But yes, there are events that the they, the Rockers go to that the rest of the crew does not as rollers. In fact, that was one of the reasons why the Rockers sort of came about was because. We couldn't always show up as a bunch of folks on scooters to things when they wanted us there. And this was sort of an alternative idea. And then we're doing the King Arthur Parade. Um, we're going to be in Muses, which is our, our prime role, as you, uh, you know, annually since the crew uh, started parading in 2004. And then we'll finish it off with Iris, which is a, a fantastic day parade. And Iris has really grown and become a really kind of major player uh, over the last few years. Come on. Uh, become a, a big player. Uh, let me ask each, each of you what your favorite Elvis songs were. And Scott, we'll put you on the on the spot and let you go first. Oh, this is not a very popular one, but it always makes me think of, uh, of my dad. When I was a kid, he had a, a custom van that we used to go on vacations on, and he had an eight-track tape of Don't Cry Daddy. Uh, that was an Elvis song. And I can't not hear hear that song and not break up a little bit. So even though it's not one of the more popular ones and the more exciting ones, I love Suspicious Minds, but I mean, Don't Cry Daddy for some reason gets me in the heart every time. And he could really pull some more strings. I mean, he could really get get down into the motion with it. Um, okay. Good. Yeah. Uh, Cliff. I think I'm a Viva Las Vegas fan. There's something about the start of that, just the, you know, the lyrics and whatnot that, that kind of get me a little bit excited. Um, you know, you, you can kind of hear that, that little bit of a bellow in his voice as he opens that song up. And, and uh, yeah, I think that's, that's probably my favorite. All right. Uh, and that's kind of Latter-day Elvis too. That would be, yeah, during the, uh, the Las Vegas stretch. He almost kind of maybe saved Las Vegas during a time. I mean, he was like a, a big star at a time when Las Vegas having a lot of a lot of problems. I mean, he was. Uh, I remember going to the hotel. I mean, I didn't see him perform. But I remember going to the hotel where he was performing. They have like a big statue of him up there, and so yeah, he was pretty major. Dave, how about you? I'm a fan of a little less conversation. I, I it, it it is on our when we roll. We have a, a band playing live live Elvis music the whole route and. It is on, I'll call it his live music loop. He's got about eight or 10 songs. And I just find that one to be the one that uh, gets the crowd going and seems to be the most fun for everyone. It just seems to get people riled up and makes people just a little bit more excited and, and entertained. Um, I'll tell you mine, but I'm, I'm almost embarrassed because he's so corny and goofy, okay? Um, and I'll just step with reality. Okay? But I really like his version of Blue Christmas. Okay, especially with that chorus in the background going, you know, sounding to me like the wind, you know. I just think it's really just a very, I mean, I love hearing it every year at Christmas time. To me, that's okay, it's Christmas time. It's a very moving song. I know, I, I know, y'all don't like it, okay. Uh, but it was, <laughs> to uh, each his own, every man a king. <laughs> well, we'll listen to it though next time. Just listen to the chorus uh, in the background. Any of the early songs that y'all like? Like Hound Dog, anybody like Hound Dog? Well, well, of course, Hound Dog, and you know, King, you mentioned it before, King Creole. I mean, that's a fantastic song. Um, and that was one of the first numbers that we did a Jailhouse Rockers routine to was was King Creole. 
Oh, really? Okay. Um, oh, yeah. And then, by the way, yeah, yeah, Jailhouse Rock. I mean, I mean that's a great song, and that's a, and it's a sort of a parody of it. Okay. Um, right. So, any more stories? I I could tell you plenty of stories. Well, tell me. Uh, let's see. So, when we started, we really had no idea what level of acceptance there was going to be for this. Uh -huh. So when we went to the muses to see if they were interested in, you know, if we could roll with them, the question was, well, well, what are you guys? What, what, what do you do? Cause you know, this is almost 20 years ago and no one really had any idea. So I called us a precision scooter team. <laughs> and so at that point I felt compelled for us to have sort of, I'll call it precision scooter maneuvers and routines. So sure. we actually had, practices and it took all of about five minutes to realize that precision scooter maneuvers were not going to work out yeah. i think we had part of that was due to our the scooters but part of it was due to the the fabulous quality of the new orleans roads yeah uh, and i think i had one concussion and two wipeouts within the first 30 minutes of our first practice which was at the parking lot of the old James Lewis Elementary School on Jefferson. Uh -huh. And so, you know, I had someone sitting in my living room uh, waiting for his girlfriend or wife to come pick him up because he, he couldn't see straight and his scooter was a mangled mess. And so we, we couldn't do that. I'll also never forget that when we would start rolling and before they moved Muses Parade all the way uptown, we used to start at Napoleon uh, and St. Charles are right down the block from there. And when we would start going, we didn't have electric scooters, so they were all gas. And there would be this massive cloud of noxious smoke that kind of led and followed us for, I don't know, a good block or two. And so you would get a little bit loopy after three or four hours of just inhaling all this, all this noxious smoke. And so I, I think some of us weren't terribly upset when we shifted over to electric scooters at some point. Well, when y'all had this audition and you told them this was going to be Precision's scooter, whatever it is, what did they say? Did they say, hey, we love this? I mean, obviously they accepted you. Yeah, they accepted us. They, I, I don't think they had any reason not to believe that we could do it Yeah. or had any understanding of what it might look like. And uh, once it once it just showed up on the streets, I think the reaction solved all the problems of having to be in any organized sort of shape. They call that fake it until you make it, right? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> have you had, in the years that have passed, have you had any conversations like uh, with Stacy Rosenberg, the captain of Muses, and talked about that and talked about the whole development parade and, and the Elvine and that sort of thing? I have not. We've mostly we've mostly worked with one individual at Muses who sort of organizes all the subcrews, and uh, I think you know, like Scott mentioned earlier, it's it's such a, a big organization and a and a pretty large effort to sort of coordinate all of the marching bands and, and large groups that we. I never have. I don't know if anybody else ever has. I I, I believe members know Stacy, uh, but I have never had a conversation to that effect with her. Okay. Um, this is an important moment for me because he used the term subcruise. Is that the politically acceptable term to use in describing your organization? Because I, I need that because I've, I've always had a hard time with it because you can't call you all marching clubs, you know. And so I've never known what to call it. And so to me, subcruise is a great 
great term if everybody goes along with it. I, I guess. I don't know if, if Scott or Cliff have a, an opinion. I don't know about politically correct. I hope so, but I don't want to offend anybody if there's something I've done that's wrong there. Yeah, well, I want to think. It's funny that you asked that question because I'm getting all these forms that I, we have to fill out as captain to participate in the parades. And it's all marching band stuff. And it's always a sort of a, well, as a sub crew, just fill out the marching band. So, you know, we're filling out things that talk about the number of dancers or instruments that we have playing most of the time. But I think sub crew has is, is wormed its way into the common vernacular now. And I know Stacy pretty well. I think she, she blesses us as a sub crew for the purposes of muses. I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but I get that feeling. Yeah. So Scott, you've got to have some kind of crazy memory for at least one parade. Oh, I got a ton of crazy memories. Um, you know, but this is a little bit more general from, from memories. I mean, to me, the, the story is you haven't really rolled as an alibi until you've made that corner turn from Napoleon onto St. Charles Avenue. And, and when the crowd sees you, just the way they go wild um, to see. I mean, it's a really special feeling to roll as an alibi. And, and um, you know, Dave's partner, Macon, our late founder, our late co-founder, used to say, you know, one Elvis, all right, that's somebody in costume, two, all right, that's a little weird, but three or more, and it's, you know, it's a party, it's crazy, it, it, people just crack up and they love it, and to be in a group of 100 guys going down St. Charles Avenue and have, you know, women with signs screaming, Elvis, over here, it's really a pretty amazing feeling, um, and, and as, as a bookend to that, I got to ride my scooter from the CBD all the way home at the end of the night by myself dressed as Elvis, and it's the one really? day of the year when people see me and they're not confused. I uh, still get screams on the way home from the from the people left over from the parades. I'll, I'll give you. Go ahead. I'll give you another one. It, it happened in the first handful of years. We we have I'll say a really wide cross section of society as members, and we've had policemen that were members for years on and off. And in the first few years, when people didn't know who we were. It's not as if we all gathered together on a bus and go to the start of the parade. There's Elvises on scooters driving to the start of the parade from every every direction. And the, one of our members who was a cop came to us and said one year that, that they were getting calls from all over of Elvises driving across people's front yards to get to, to get to the start of the parade. And there were just all sorts of calls to the police station about Elvises in every random direction. And so I, I got a kick out of that. I think that used to be a, a crime on the books about Elvis's on the front lawn. Uh, <laughs> they took those off. So. How about you? One more shot of the, of the memory. All right. That does remind me of one story now that you've talked about the police officers, because we do have a bunch of police officers that, that have been Elvi. In years past, I'm not going to say which year, um, we used to have these days where we would roll during the day and meet for lunch. Um, and we'd go from bar to bar to patronize some of our local haunts. And then we'd all have lunch at Superior Seafood. And in one of the earlier years, I didn't have a scooter and I'm standing there and there's maybe 75 Elvi getting ready to roll. And I look over at the police officer and I'm standing there in a wig and glasses and say, I don't, I don't have a scooter. I'm supposed to be helping these guys. And the guy's like, oh, just hop in the car with me. So I spent the day essentially leading the parade downtown from the front seat of a police officer dressed as Elvis. And oh, those really? kind of looks have never been duplicated when I was on a scooter. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Cliff, do we get to you? Sure. I, you know, I, I think it's been, and as a newer member and somebody who's been in it a little bit less, um, I don't know that I have the, the depth, but, um, you know, we have had some cool opportunities to do some pretty amazing things. Last May, we got to do um, sort of the highlight, my first real role 
um, is we participated in a, 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 I don't know if we would call it like a, a miniature parade in Metairie um, for a woman who is a huge fan of Elvis um, and a huge fan of Mardi Gras um, and who was in hospice care. And so uh, we got together, um, you know, there were a couple different groups um, from the city who pulled together, made our way out to Metairie uh, and did about, um, I know Scott was out there with me, it was maybe a block and a half or two blocks long Mardi Gras parade with throws and took pictures. And, um, you know, it was, uh, I, I think that that was, you know, for me, at least one of the highlights was to-, to How did the woman react when she saw you? What's that? How did the woman react when she saw you? Oh, she freaked out. We were on the, uh, we were on like NOLA.com. There was pictures of us and she's in glasses and like doing that Elvis point, um, you know, and there were probably about a dozen of us that were clustered behind her in the picture. She was covered in Elvis throws and voodoo dolls and, and that sort of thing. She was super excited. It was really, really cool. All right, cool. All right. Um, do, you have, uh, do you ever ride your scooters out of the season? Like on the 4th of July, yeah, you ever go in? And ride your scooter or just uh, we have ridden scooters everywhere out of season uh, all kinds of off-season parades from the christmas parade to the crew of boo and in fact you mentioned fourth of july my my wife's family's from missouri and there's a sm very small town up there that not only did i re receive a commendation from the 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 town mayor but also got a write-up in the newspaper for showing up with my scooter and being the lone rolling elvi in their fourth of july parade one year oh um, and this is in, in Iowa? Yeah, uh, Missouri. Missouri. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, and, and locally, we've been in all kinds of stuff. It's not a hard ask to get a bunch of Elvi to show up if we've got you yeah. know, the time and the ability. Um, we try to put some parameters on it, but but I from UNO events to to you know the the Chris Owens parade, we're in all kinds of stuff. We love to parade. Yeah. Well, I think it's the way you all described this the scooter, it sounds like it's kind of fragile, but it's it, it, it can hold up and endures throughout the year? Uh, no. <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're, they're essentially disposable. Uh, so, I look, there's a few people who are mechanically inclined who can keep those things together, but they're not designed with quality or longevity in, in mind. So, okay. I, 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 I mean, can they resupply you? They... Yeah, they, they do. We reorder over time. Some people go out in the market and find one that, that's similar that we approve. But I can assure you, Errol, that there are a number of people out there that may listen to this that go, you know, one year I got a broken down Elvi scooter as a throw in the parade because it has actually happened a number of times. The scooter will die and the Elvi won't want to drag it home. Yeah. But nobody can come in like with a big Harley or anything like that. I mean, they need to have a, a scooter. I mean, a more modest device so modest is a generous term but yes <laughs> yeah well look congratulations to, to you guys for what you've done because i think that's one of the really great things that's happened to mardi gras really since the year 2000 i give muses a lot of credit for creating the opportunity but once it did the things that evolved out of that and you all are probably the first great example of the things that came and you know the, the crowd really likes Subcruise, we'll call them that now, because y'all close, y'all close to the action. They can mix them. I mean, you're not high up there on the on the on the float, and so they really like the interaction with it. Um, also, to me, like they're they're very democratic. I mean, like like anybody, I, I think conceivably one day 
can join one of these things or a great one of them. And I think this is a really good thing in Carnival. And, and from my own perspective, I mean, like especially watching Muses, I'm more entertained by them than I am by the main part of the parade, uh, just because there's so much, I don't know, creativity with them and all of that. So anyway, just congratulations on, on that. Uh, Thank you. So, okay. Well, I the one thing I ask is that you approach with an open mind, Blue Christmas, okay? Maybe it's <laughs> okay. Imagine like it's uh, November, okay? Like Thanksgiving and you're kind of anxious for the holidays and listen to it and listen to that chorus in the background. And maybe, maybe it'll if change. If you tell us where you will be watching the parade, we will make a request to our live band to have him play it when we're strolling by that, that area. I can't okay. guarantee it because I don't know if he knows it, but <laughs> we can make the ask. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I'll, I'll get I'll get to DC. I'll see if he can handle a blue Christmas. Are you familiar with, with Hank Williams' song "I'm for the Lonesome I Can Cry"? You know. Oh, yeah. Oh, for All sure. Right. Didn't Elvis do that? No, but but Hank Williams and Elvis both really kind of debuted at the Louisiana Hayride in Shreveport. And they got their first major contracts out, out of there. And there's a story about the first night that Elvis played that the, um, the crowds went just crazy. And, and the, uh, uh, the microphone guy at the auditorium didn't know that he should muffle the microphones. And so all these sounds went out all through Arkansas and Louisiana and all that. And that really, they say that really made Elvis famous. But anyway, Hank Williams was around the same time. Um, but he did the song called I'm So Lonesome I Could Cry. And uh, Elvis would hear that song. He says, that's the saddest song I ever heard. And I, if, if ever you hear it, just be aware of it. But anyway, um, thank you all. It's been very entertaining. I'll be, I'll, we'll be looking for you all. Thanks, Errol. Okay. Thank you very Good much. Job. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. As always, if anybody has any questions or comments, just send me an email, Errol at MyNewOrleans.com. And for the subject line, put Mardi Gras podcast, so I'll know not to delete you. <laughs>